Welcome to the CGN Mission and Methods Podcast, Season 4. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I will be your host this season. The goal and vision of this podcast is that it would be a forum for communication about Calvary Global Network. We want to share with you some of the stories about what God is doing. We want to talk about some of the initiatives we're involved in spearheading, and we want to answer the questions you might have about who we are as a network. On the episodes in this season, I'm joined by Pastor Brian Broderson, the founder and president of CGN and the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California. For season four of the podcast, Brian and I will be interviewing the members of the CGN executive team so you can get to know their stories, hear about their ministries and the roles they play in CGN, and find out what they're excited about for the future. In this episode, Pastor Brian and I speak with Manolo Matos. Manolo is the pastor of Calvary Lima in Lima, Peru. And in our discussion, Manolo talks about how he became a Christian and was baptized in the same church which he now pastors today. Additionally, Manolo talks about the unique role that Calvary Chapel churches can play in Latin America as a movement that is focused on teaching the Bible. He shares what makes ministry in South America unique and about some open doors for ministry both in the urban context of Lima and the diverse rural context of other parts of Peru. Here's the episode. Welcome to the CGM Mission and Methods Podcast. My name is Nick Cady. I'm joined today by Pastor Brian Broderson and Manolo Matos from Lima, Peru. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. man. Good to be together. So right now we're recording. We're at the CGN International Conference, and it's been a great week. This year at the conference, all the teachings are being done by members of the executive team. And... Manolo, you're a newer member of the executive team. We're glad to have you on this season of the podcast in which we're getting to know executive team members. And so we'll start out by having you share with our listeners who you are, where you serve, what's been some of your journey up until this point. Yes, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be a part of this this team and for what the Lord is going to do through it in the future. As we're, as you said, you know, we're sitting right now at the at the conference and it seems that very sweet sort of fellowship and excitement and encouragement amongst the different pastors and leaders that are here and excited about that. So I was born and raised in Lima, Peru, and uh, I grew up as part of the Catholic Church, as most of South America, really. And I had a sort of fallout or falling out with the Catholic Church in my teenage years just because of the sort of traditionalism that is a part of the Catholic experience. And it just never really clicked with me, although I wasn't like agnostic or atheistic, you know, like her person per se. I always believed there was a God and I believed in the general sort of message of the Bible that I didn't really understand at all. So I wasn't fighting against the idea of God, but I was sort of like not really connecting with the church. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, as soon as I had the opportunity to make a decision for myself, I left. And just, you know, for South America and Latin America, really that family ties into a lot of, you know, you are this, you are born into this, you are, you know, that very strong family connection and that you don't, you know, to leave the Catholic Church is not just to leave our religion, but it's to leave your traditions and your family and the sort of like 
the sort of legacy of your who your family is and all that. And so I just was like, well, I, this is not for me, so sorry. <laughs> and and then about the age of 17, right after graduating from high school, I had a friend who invited me to church to Calvary in Lima, Calvary Chapel in Lima with John Bonner. And I went to church for like the first time and and heard the Bible being taught in a way that I could understand it which is completely novel to me because I never had that experience in my life. And so understanding the gospel for the first time was super like impactful in my life. Right. And, and then it, it made me understand like there's a decision that ensues after you understand the message of the gospel. Right. It's not just like, Oh, this thing that you've always sort of like known, you know, it's like, this is a, this is a decision making set of, of ideas, right? About, about the gospel, who God is and what he's done for you. So what are you going to do now? You know, what, what, are, what is your response going to be to that? And so for me, it was very clear from like the first moment, really, that that was something that was going to change the course of my life. And I was sort of like all in, you know, and I gave my life to the Lord around that time after going to church for a couple months. And it was at a, a surf camp at the beach in the Pacific Ocean, got baptized and, and started getting involved with the church there and never looked back. Getting baptized at the beach, I've heard of that happening before. Yeah. So <laughs> you're just a little further south. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Down, <laughs> down the Pacific. That's right. great. And, and that was through John Bonner had planted that church yes. in Lima and was pastoring. John, of course, basically grew up at, at this church here where we are right now, Calvary mm -hmm. Chapel Costa Mesa, and then went into the Latin world as, as a missionary and was in Mexico for quite some time. And Pilar, his wife, is Mexican. And then they felt the Lord calling them to Peru. And so not, not only kind of led you to Jesus, but also discipled you as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I consider John, you know, to be my, my pastor and yeah. my spiritual mentor for sure. And which was so, you know, that was the ironic thing is that like, I got saved at this church that I'm pastoring. <laughs> um, we, John moved to a different city in Peru to establish the campus for the Bible college that had been in Lima for quite a long time. The church that he planted had been going on for 12 years. And at that point where the, when the move happened, it was obvious that they, needed, the church needed a local sort of leadership there that little did I know, you know, I was going to come in and, and, and sort of step into that role, which is just insane to, to me to think like I'm 23, 22 and I'm like beginning to pastor this church that has 12 years of existence. And I've been married for like a year at this point and mm. I'm like having marriage counseling sessions with like couples that have been married and have kids my age. And it's like, what, what are you doing here? Like what, you know, sounds, just, yeah. sounds very New Testament-ish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's one of the things that I've always loved about the story, you know, yeah. that, you know, here's a guy and, you know, he's been, been a Christian, you know, maybe three years, you know, or something. And John's like, I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta go do this Bible college, Manolo. You need to take, and it was a pretty substantial church. I mm -hmm. mean, it wasn't like, you know, just a handful of people meeting in a house. I mean, they had a, a nice facility mm -hmm. and a, a large, large group of people. So I've always, that just, I've always loved John and respected him, but that mm -hmm. just took my respect level up a whole, a like whole that, other huh? notch. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's like, yeah, yeah that's gutsy. That's trusting God. 
Nice. And I think it was a good decision because uh, <laughs> now 10 years later, we're seeing the fruit of that. Yeah. Did you go to the Bible college that was there in Lima? I did. I did. I graduated in uh, 2010. And that's where I met my wife as mm -hmm. well, who came down from Florida to study at the Bible college in Peru. Yeah. Awesome. So Pastor Brian, let me just ask you this, like with bringing Manolo onto the executive team, tell me a little bit about that decision. Well, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this and of course, Nick, both you and I, we have lived outside the country. You lived in Eastern Europe for 10 years. I lived for five or so in the UK and you know, we're part of a global network. And of course, we, you know, we have churches all around the globe, but I felt like with the executive team, we needed to have some representation of the global mm -hmm. element of who we are, you know? So, so Manolo and I have become friends over the years and I just really love him and Holly and appreciate them and, and see that God has his hand on him and that city, you know, Lima is a city of 11 million people. Mm. So it's a a huge 13 city. by now 13 by now yeah. since i was there last yeah. <laughs> it's growing rapidly yeah. no yeah. yeah 13 okay and that that's even more crazy right and i just think as far as you know we're all about church planting and discipleship and gospel advancement and you know manolo's doing that and mm -hmm. i just felt like he was a perfect fit for both the international component and he's a guy who's actually doing the stuff that that's what we're about. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with your age, just representing an, a new generation, somebody who's come up, you know, and representing the future as well. I think that that's really important. You know, anecdotally, I'll just say like with the church planting, with the Cultivate program, we have had so much interest in training church planters from Latin America. Mm -hmm. So a lot from Mexico, some from South America, and some from Spain as well. And, and so we've been looking for resources and ways and people to partner with. But it just seems like God is doing a lot and, and working in the Spanish-speaking world. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Like, What is unique about ministry in Latin America? What's unique about South America? Absolutely. And I agree. I think the Lord is doing something really special in Latin America and the Spanish-speaking world. I think it's interesting because when we think of Christianity in the world, we usually think, I mean, I don't know, I, I assume that for a lot of maybe our listeners, we we think in terms of the theologic sort of academic epicenter that Europe and North America have, have been and have become, right? And I think that there's a really interesting and and rich legacy there however i i think that the south america and really the spanish-speaking world has equally rich and interesting history there with christianity and and a group of people who are eager to sort of step into that that place of knowing the knowing god more deeply and and to like South American, I can speak for probably all of all of South America and particularly Peru. We have had a, a difficult few decades financially, like economically, politically, culturally, where it just seems like, and it just even exacerbated to the probably you know a, a lot by COVID and everything that ensued after, you know. And so it's a group of people that have been beat up 
mm-hmm. you know, not just by these situations sort of outside our, our daily sort of control, but also by the sort of stigma of a works-based theology where I have to prove myself, I have to work for my salvation, I have to do this thing in order for God to like me, right? If, and if I'm not doing that, then maybe I am deserving of the tragedies and of the difficulty and of the pain that is coming into my life, right? And so a lot of people that I've talked to through the years have come with that mentality of maybe, you know, what am I doing wrong that, that this is happening to me, right? And so when, and when they get to hear the gospel, mm-hmm. when they get to hear the truth of the word of God, you know, that sets them in a, you know, to completely different direction. And they, they have like peace for the first time in thinking, man, like God already loves me. Mm-hmm. God already accepts me. You know, these situations that are going on in my life and the pain that it's being inflicted upon me, it's not because God hates me and I'm doing something wrong. It's, it's other stuff going on, but I, I am loved and I'm accepted. And that is like, that is what changed my life, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's because that's where I come from. Where, you know, this thing with church and I'm supposed to do these things. If, not, if, I, if I don't fit into the mold, then maybe I'm not, you know, God doesn't really, you know, love me and, and, and all that. And so just, I think, getting people to understand the message of the gospel and, and the grace and the freedom and the love uh, of God, I think is, I mean, for, for any culture, right, it's, it's revelatory and transformative. But for particularly South America, I think it's special in that they come from this background of of oppressiveness and and just feeling this weight you know upon upon your life so i think that that makes for a very thankful and vibrant group of churches mm-hmm. where they you know we're we're joyful and we're happy and we praise god with all we can and brian you've been to our church mm-hmm. a few times and yep. we're just you know uh, we sort of don't hold back yep. i love it and i i think too you know you have One of the things that really impresses me about, I think, Latin America, you know, whether that's Mexico or Central America or South America, and and specifically Peru as well, it it just seems like there is an an openness to the gospel. And I think especially kind of the way we approach, you know, teaching the scriptures very personally and— accessibly to people. And I think what's happening is people are just discovering like, wow, God, God loves me. And look what, look what the Bible says, you know, like, like Manola said, there's, there's a history of course of Christianity in South America and Peru going back to the time of course, the, you know, the Catholic church, there's a period where, you know, some reformed theology took root. We, we've been to the, there's a, there's a museum in Lima. We weren't able to go in it last time, but I went in it before that was literally like a torture chamber for the reform, you know, where the inquisition would take the people who were dabbling with Luther and Calvin and mm. take them down and put them on the rack. And you know, it's crazy wow. stuff, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there is this history of the gospel in that part of the world, but I think through, through, the non-biblical approach to Christianity that you find quite often with a c- Catholicism, and then also sort of the neglect of, of any kind of expositional 
approach to the word through the charismatic movement, mm -hmm. you have a people that are starving for the word of God. You know, you have, you have Christians even, right? Mm -hmm. Who have been exposed maybe, you know, to the Pentecostal thing and come to know Jesus, but they have not had the feeding that comes through, you know, really taking God's word seriously. So I think Manolo and, and these guys are in a, a great position to see a real powerful church established through uh, a foundation on the scriptures. It reminds me of what it says in Colossians chapter three, where it talks about, you know, Paul says, I, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded. And yeah. I think that that's something that Calvary Chapel does really well, especially in those areas like where you said, where people have been exposed to the gospel, maybe even responded, yeah. but they haven't yet grown in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I am sometimes asked by people is, even in my church, you know, isn't Christianity in decline? Like, isn't Christianity dying out? And I said, well, it really depends where, <laughs> because globally it's not, <laughs> but in some places it is in decline. Mainline churches in the United States, traditional churches in Europe. And, and yet there's a lot of statistics showing that in the Southern hemisphere, Christianity is growing exponentially. Mm -hmm. And when I say Christianity, I should specify that I mean evangelical Christianity. Correct. And I think that, I think Pastor Brian, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'd love to hear a little bit from you, Manolo, on this is like, what is the role that Calvary Chapel can play in that Southern hemisphere context where there is this great openness to the gospel and yet a need for rooting and grounding in the scriptures. Yes, absolutely. I think that Calvary Chapel can have a very, and it already has had a very unique role in getting people to understand and live a, the gospel and their relationship with God in a, in a really right way. You know, um, I, I'll, I'll tell this story really briefly. We like to put together you know, events and conferences for our youth and for, you know, leadership and stuff like that in, in Lima. And one year we were doing this conference, this youth conference, and we invited a couple of pastors from the local churches, not Calvary Chapels. And one of them is from a church in Lima, a, a fairly large church in Lima. And he came, he was a youth pastor there, and he came and he spoke, and, and it was the first time that he had come to our church. And and he opened his session by saying, like, I can't believe that I'm speaking at a Calvary Chapel because this is, like, I've, I've known for a long time about Calvary Chapel and their, their sort of model of, of teaching expositionally through the Bible has impacted, like, my life. And, and they're not a Calvary Chapel and probably, you know, they, they have other things going on. But this pastor acknowledged, and this, this was a surprise to me. Um, the sort of legacy and influence that Calvary Chapel had in his own ministry. Uh, and he was like, I'm so thankful to be able to share in this church. And, and that was amazing to me. And I think that that is something that we, that I'm beginning to see more and more is, is something that happens. I, I don't know if you guys are seeing it, like this sort of like homogenization of the, the church and in certain aspects, maybe aesthetically or worship and stuff like that. And I think that Calvary Chapel is getting to be a part of sort of a trend in moving towards a more Bible-centered exposition in, in, in preaching. Mm -hmm. and, and I think this, this testimony sort of confirms that to me, that without us really knowing the scope of our influence, we are 
beginning to see outside of the U.S. a really interesting and unique opportunity there to to get people back to the Word of God. That's so interesting because this week, one of the things that we've been talking about in the conference, right, the theme of the conference is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Mm -hmm. And it comes from Isaiah 61, the famous passage that Jesus preached in the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. And the first session, Pastor Brian, you kicked off by talking about he has anointed me. And then it goes on from there, but you talked about the anointing of the spirit and the importance of that. And it's interesting. I think that here in the West, when we go to Europe and things like that, a lot of times we're encouraging the, the people to be open to the work of the spirit and the power of the spirit and to not just be, you know, heads on sticks that just read the Bible and, and think about these things in theory. Whereas it seems like maybe in, in the Southern hemisphere, and in maybe Latin America, I've heard the same similar things in Africa. One of the roles that Calvary Chapel plays is, you know, we talk about this work of the spirit and the word, but here we, we're focusing like, hey, don't, don't forget the spirit. And over there, it seems maybe the, the one of the important roles is the focus on the word. Mm -hmm. Does that sound accurate to you? I think so. I think it is. And, and it's, very, it's very healing for people to come to in South America, in Lima, Countless times, you know, I've had people come to our church and say, you know, I never knew that this is something that you could experience in church where you can just listen and understand. And it's, you're not getting yelled at all the time and you're not, you know, getting, you know, people to give money all this time and stuff like that. And it's like, it's, it's really transformative and, and healing for people to come. And I think that we have a, you know, much to learn as well. And this is something I, I really appreciate about CGN is this attitude of, you know, we know what we have and we'll, you know, we'll have this, we'll hold this and we'll move forward with it. But we also know that the spirit is moving in the world outside of our churches and, and, and other churches and other places. And we can glean from that and learn from that and lean, in, lean into that. And I think I, um, that's one of the things I, I appreciate about this movement and part of the reason why I feel excited to be a part of this team, this executive team too, is, is to, to have this opportunity to move forward into, uh, yeah, move forward into the, the future knowing, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take this legacy forward in, but we're not saying, you know, if you don't have this and you don't, you don't get to, be ministered by the Holy Spirit or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That appreciation for, for what God is doing elsewhere is a big part of who we are as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I was going to say too, is that I, another part of my, my excitement and expectation in, in being a part of CGN is something that we talked about earlier about the ethos of CGN really being compatible to the need of the people in South America and, and, and that being, you know, yes, the word of God, but also, you know, the, the, the grace of the mm -hmm. gospel and the freedom and the love and, and, and all these things that we are very much for that they are, you know, that they get to receive and they get to be influenced and, really transformed by. And I think that it's a, 
whole continent of of people mm-hmm. who are in that place of need, right? And so we're talking about church planting. And I think you asked earlier about how Calvary Chapel can have an impact there. And I think that I I agree that we that South America needs more more churches that are preaching the word of God expositionally and that are loving the people that are living in the grace of God and that have healthy leadership in place. That was one of the things that I will I, I was gonna I was gonna bring up as well is that part of the sort of set of issues that I've I've come to find and see in in, in South America is this sort of unhealthy leadership to the church culture mm-hmm. where maybe 10 years ago it was very common that you would have this sort of movement of people who are shepherd in a way that's like you have to like ask everything and you can't like make your own decisions without asking the pastor and and all these things and there's very rigid control of the people in the church and and, and so when people come from that background to our church, you know, I've had a couple of people at least come to me and ask me something just wild, like, can I take this vacation, whatever? I'm like, what are you doing right now? Like, stop, you know, you don't need to ask me anything, you know? And and so, and that is just mind blowing for them. It's like, I don't have to consult with you every single thing in my life. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't, you know, you that's between you and the Lord. And, and to give people the, sort of the, you know, the, the permission in a way to be like, you can, you know, have your own relationship with God. Like I am not above you in any sing- sort of way. You know, I'm here to, to point you to Jesus and to equip you and that you would do, you would have your own relationship with, mm. with the Lord. And I think that that is a p- part of the, that culture as well, that is ready to, you know, to take on, you know, the, the word and, and, and what CGN is for really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know it is for freedom that that Christ has set us free, and that that's a big theme with us as as a network, right? We wanna we believe the grace of God leads to freedom, mm-hmm. and we believe in having a gospel culture, you know, this healthy culture where we're really leaning into God's grace, not to not as a cloak for sin, like Paul says to the Galatians, but rather just the recognition that God. He's for us. He loves us. He's he's going to work with us through our struggles and difficulties. And I think, you know, one of the problems, I think this is very well known for anybody who's ministered in the Latin world, it has been just riddled with legalism, either the legalism that comes through Catholicism or the legalism that comes through Pentecostalism. And they're different types of legalism, but they're both essentially, you know, mm-hmm. so the idea like, you know, like Manola said, I mean, when I go to his church, it's like a big party, man. Everybody's just so, <laughs> they're so glad to be there. They're dancing and praise of the Lord. And, you know, everybody's having a, a joyful time, which is what you should be having at yeah. church, right? But it's not just a bunch of emotion where everybody's all excited and then we go out the door and don't know how to live. Then there's the strong exposition of the scripture that's helping people see their lives being transformed. And that's, I think that is, we just want to see that happen as far and wide as possible. And, you know, there, in I think in Peru, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Manolo, but maybe, maybe over the years, maybe 20 or so churches have been planted through like the time of John's, John's been there 20 years and so, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right? about right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But there's room for, you know, 10 times that. 
Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My goodness. I mean, a city of 13 million, how do you reach 13 <laughs> yeah. million people, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love what Paul says to the Corinthians where he says, you know, we're not here to Lord over your faith, but to be helpers of your joy. And I think that's mm. a, that's a great attitude mm -hmm. to take into Amen. ministry leadership. Now I want to shift gears a little bit. I know that you've also, you know, in Peru and in many countries in South America and Latin America, you have multiple cultures, right? So you have mm -hmm. the big city, but there's also indigenous peoples and people who live in the mountains. So I know you guys have been doing some outreach to that. Maybe you could share that with us. Yes. So Peru is a very diverse country in a lot of different ways, not only in the landscape, but we have, you know, the coast and the mountains and the jungle, but also in like socially like Lima is very like metropolized, I guess it's very, you know, it's this big city, very sort of westernized in, in, a, in a way, I guess you could say, but it, Lima really is an anomaly to Peru. There's maybe another four or five other sort of bigger cities that don't really even compare to Lima, but in the rest of Peru, probably more than 80% of Peru mm. is very rural, very rural. We have quite literally like unreached people groups in Peru, mm -hmm. in our backyard, you know what I mean? Um, and so, but when I say that, I was not too long ago, I was invited to this festival that there's a missionary in uh, the southern sort of mountainous regions of Peru, the Andes. There's a missionary there that has put together, he's um, built a hospital there. It's uh, actually a, a pretty well-known ministry in South America. It's a missionary hospital. And he's there, it's a couple of two German doctors that came maybe 20 years ago. And one of their things is, you know, we, we want to not only provide like healthcare for this community that is literally abandoned out here. There's almost no education, no healthcare, no, you know, and so they, they went and they got a bunch of donations from all over the world and they built this hospital, amazing, like quality hospital, accessible for people to get healthcare. And they had this sort of dream of doing this music festival for the youth of, of these communities. And so they, not a couple of years ago, they built an auditorium there. And it's, this is a region called Apurimac. It's very, it's close to, it's maybe two hours from, from Cusco, where Machu Picchu is. Everybody would know about Machu Picchu. So, <laughs> and they built this auditorium and this, they had this dream of just doing this festival and, and they finally were able to put it together. And, uh, and they invited me as one of the, one of the speakers and man, it was amazing. Just overlooking the auditorium was, was sort of facing a, a mountain and on the, on the backside, there's this huge ridge of mountains and it, it seats, the auditorium seats, maybe three or 4,000 people. And it was full mm. to the brim and full of people from everywhere locally i was blown away and i think and all of these people a lot of them were non-believers but a lot of them were believers that are in churches in these places whether churches that were started by missionaries or by locals and it it sort of like it made me realize man this there's, there's a lot going on that i don't really know, you know, in, in these, in these places that people usually, we think of like, oh, these places are far remote and nothing's going on and the spirit's not doing anything. That's not true, man. <laughs> That's not true. And there's so much the Lord's doing. And so I got the privilege to be able to, to speak in, in, in this setting. And, and it just made me excited that to see that the Lord is moving powerfully and I want to be a part of that. Yeah. No, that's really cool. 
So Manolo, let me just ask you, what are you excited about for the future of CGN? I think that I'm excited to see not only more churches being planted, I think that I'm excited to see more healthy Bible preaching, loving, healthy leadership, you know, churches being planted all over the world. I think that, you know, when we think of church planting, we obviously know that there's a need in the world to plant churches, but the answer is not really just planting churches. And what I, what I see in CGN and excites me about the future of it is that we're really trying to focus on not just sending people and not just setting up churches everywhere, but we're actually wanting this organic, healthy leadership to begin to move forward. And, you know, my wife is from the, what you would call the South in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. She's from North Florida. And when we go to visit her side of the family, she lives in a place that's called the, the like the Bible Belt, right? And, and there is a church in every corner, mm. quite literally. And let me tell you, it's not great. <laughs> and, and, you know, so we know that that's not the answer. The answer is not to have a church in every corner. The answer is to have a church that is preaching faithfully the word of God and that is living it out. Uh, I love what Ray Ortland uh, has contributed to this movement in, in his in his whole thing of um, you know gospel doctrine and gospel culture. You know I just love that idea and I think that that is really exciting for me as I think of the future of Calvary Chapel. Oh, that's really good. How can people be praying for you? What if people were praying for you? What would you want them to be praying for? Sure, I think two things. One of them is we. We have a sweet group of people and people that are willing to move forward. And we have great leaders in our church and quite a few of them are ready to just to go and to, you know, either plant churches or start ministries. And we're beginning to see this happen. So pray that we would be able to steward that movement gracefully and with wisdom. We would love to you know, see in the, in the future, you know, more guys, more teams from our church just being sent out to, you know, Lima and Peru and South America. We want to be a church that is investing in, in planting other churches. I've been a pastor for 11 years now of this church and literally that's all I could do. You know, I couldn't even begin to think about mm. planting churches. Cause like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning myself. And so, but now I'm at a point where, okay, you know, we've been doing this for over a decade and we're beginning to see, you know, the, the need outside of the local walls of the church. And and so we have a, a team of, of people who are willing to to move in that direction. So pray for that. Pray for the, the sort of wis, uh, wisdom and, and grace and, and stewarding this, this sort of opportunity here. And the other thing is we're still after 23 years, 22 years set up and tear down church. And we have a great team of volunteers who are, you know, being just amazing and making it happen. And, and, and yet that's taxing, you know, and, and, and we know that we, we, it's a dream of ours, you know, to see in the future, you know, that we can have a, a place, you know, a permanent place for the church where we can sort of like HQ it and just, mm -hmm. you know, so that's another dream of ours that you can, you can pray for. That's cool. Well, we're going to put a link to your church's website in the show notes. Awesome. And I would just tell our listeners, 
hey, they're doing a really great thing down there in Lima. And there's, I, I love hearing about the opportunities you have to plant churches and the people who are ready. That's just, that gets me excited. So maybe there's somebody out there and God has put it on your heart to bless these guys with some resources. And I would encourage you to follow the Spirit's leading if that's the case. But thanks for listening. Thank you, Brian and Manolo. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CGN Mission and Methods podcast. In our next episode, Pastor Brian and I will be speaking with Brian Kelly. Brian has been around the world pastoring and planting churches on multiple continents, and he will be sharing some of his insights from making disciples in different cultures and amongst different groups of people. New episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so those episodes will be delivered to your device as soon as they come out. We'd love to hear feedback from you on these episodes. You can email us at cgn at calvarychapel.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast, one of the best ways you can do that is by giving us a rating and review on your podcast app. Written reviews are particularly helpful in helping to boost this content so other people can find it and benefit from it. Until next time. God bless you.